in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the leisurely Glenn Stansberry. Leisurely? Is it my attire? Is it your attitude? My attitude? Your laissez-faire West Coast hippie attitude? Yeah. Yeah, I have... I have uh... Actually, I don't... Yeah, okay. I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah I think that... Uh... Mm. They call me the breeze. I've been having a little bit too much of the wacky tobacco. <laughs> okay. I'm just joking. Just joking. Glenn, you're you're dead serious. Yep. I'm dead. I'm serious yeah. is a heart attack. Mm. And uh, speaking of being serious as a heart attack, we have a very serious news-based site mm. where if you need to get information from the internet, very much like, you know, Google... Or Reuters, Reuters, BBC, America Online. Uh, you go to this, you open up your web browser and you go to this site called gentleman.com. And there you will get all of the information on the internet that you need. Basically, if you need to know how to make pizza, you go to Gentleman. Mm-hmm. If you need to know uh, an interesting movie to go watch, mm-hmm. you go to Gentleman. If you need to know how to build a cabin, you go to Gentleman. Uh, what I'm trying to say is it's basically all-encompassing. You'd be hard-pressed to find something you didn't need on Gentleman. Desperately desire. <laughs> you know? That's what I'm thinking about right now. That's, <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> All my desires that are being met by Gentleman.com. Um, but there's just a small percentage that aren't. And for those, I go to podcast.gentleman.com. And at podcast.gentleman.com, you can follow along with uh, all the episodes that we have done in the past. You can check out the links that we're going to talk about on this episode. You can listen to 116 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast in numerical order from start to finish, starting at episode one. Uh, It's kind of like the the Star Wars trilogy, except there's 116 episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, just the same quality. Right. Uh, similar storyline. Yeah. Um, but there's 116 episodes. We've taken a lot from George Lucas. Yeah, really. And George Lucas and other sources. Right. I mean, you know, Steven, not, not just. Steven Spielberg and right. stuff, you know. There was that whole E.T. thing that mm-hmm. we were doing for a while. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, that was fun. <laughs> we had the phone and everything. Uh, Reese's Pieces. <laughs> this is bowl of Reese's Pieces out there, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, Glenn, uh, so, yeah, so, uh, after you get through all 116 episodes, then you have, um, you need to, I'm sure you're going to have questions uh, about a lot of things. <laughs> about uh, me and Glenn's sanity. Right. Um, if... If we are recording from a loony bin, maybe. We could, we could, could be. be. I don't know. You can't see the studio, so maybe it's in the... Uh, it's very soft. Yeah, exactly. Lots of padding. Uh, I can't move my arms very much. But um, anyway, if you need to get a hold of this, uh, you can do so by sending a letter uh, with your question to P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas 66044. We will get your letter. We will put it on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. We will talk about it on the Gentleman Podcast. We will think about it. We will uh, observe and gaze upon your letter and then think about it for quite some time. And then we will probably send you something back, depending on the nature of the letter and what our minds, where our minds take us that day. Uh, on That's a journey. A on a journey. I think it will. And uh, so anyway, send us a letter. Uh, if you can't do that, um, because, you know, maybe you're fresh out of uh, quills and ink, mm-hmm. right? Which happens to us all the time. Um, you can you could send us an electronic letter via the email, 
with, uh, at howdyatgentleman.com, or you could go to all the various social networks that exist out there today and the ones that are going to exist tomorrow mm-hmm. and um, send something over to Gentleman. And we might get it, we might not, depending on who's uh, taking up those accounts. Mm-hmm. But for the for the majority of the stuff, all the important ones, we were, were on there. America Online. America Online. Delicious. Uh, gentleman at att.southwest.net. Um, Southwestern Bell. Southwesternbell.com. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, all the big ones, you know, all the stuff. Uh, so anyway, then, okay, that's my spiel. So do all that stuff, and then hit pause, do all that stuff, and then can come back to the episode. Okay, thanks for sending us the letter. We really appreciate mm. it. We're looking forward to we're looking forward to uh, to seeing your letter. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the meat of the episode, which is the drink of the week this week. And uh, this week, I went out to the store, and I was confronted by a terrifying sight of a combination of beers that we've already rated. Yes, and IPAs. Yes. Um, well, there's also like I feel like there's a lot of stouts for this time of year too. Are there? I, I didn't notice that as much. I was just seeing all the IPAs. I got kind of dizzy though. I might have. Yeah. I might have glossed over stuff. Yeah. I was. I had to have the this people come help me yeah. after a while because I sit you was, down and fan. Yeah. Them they were giving me like so a Budweiser. On the, <laughs> yeah. on the forehead. Here, take a logger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's okay. I feel better now. Um, so I had to. I try. I try to sidestep all that stuff, and I had a really good idea for one, but I'm going to save it for another time because oh. it's a, it's a, it's a primo one. This is going to be a little teaser. If you check back the next time, so like in a month, it'll be my turn again after you yep. go next time. Yep. Um, I, I have a doozy to pick out for next time because it's it's on my mind, but I couldn't bring myself to do it tonight. Um, tonight I went with what is called a. I don't think we've done this brewery before. This mm. is Bear Republic. This is out of California, Sonoma County wine country where i had just been this previous vacation where i had yes i take my vacations in wine country um so this i i just happened to see that they're from sonoma county which is the same county i was out in northern uh north of san francisco a little northern california type of beer um this is a brewery that's been around since the mid 90s it's a family-owned brewery it is really well known as the uh it was anointed the 40th biggest brewery in the country wow so everybody knows that pretty much i right. mean you know th- one through 139 and then yeah. you know you get to bear republic and you're like who i don't know anybody else after that but the first 40 you all know who they are um anyway th- good. this is the uh double alt pilsner and the thing about this was i it's got tw- 25 ibus i believe it's quite a bit mm, for pills yeah um, but they had a couple other brews there. They had the Racer 5 IPA, and then they had a, I want to say, Hop Shovel IPA. And I thought, you know, the, I looked at the Racer 5, and it was pretty high. It was like 75 IBUs. And I was like, ooh, no, we can't do that. And so I was like, well, maybe this Hop Shovel thing is like just a little bit of something. You know, 100 IBUs. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's like jet fuel. Uh, yeah, that... that, that that's a like hop shovel? A hop shovel, I think, is what it was called. So just a shovel full of hops in every beer? Yeah, apparently, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I avoided that one. But this one seemed reasonable, and we hadn't done the brewery before, so I just went with it. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. So My wife was at a local establishment over the past weekend, and she had uh, she was at, like, they have this random special you can get and she was like oh give me the IPA and, and so they did and it had 100 I- IBUs and she loves hops and she was like it was disgusting because it's just that sounds terrible <laughs> it sounds like torture I think I think <laughs> guys that drink that are just doing it to look like, it's like a dare basically like you should be drinking whiskey at that point or something yeah you should yes it'd be smoother you could just light that beer on fire and <laughs> throw it out the window and then drink a glass of whiskey and be just the same but um yeah so anyway I, so I went this this double lot it would be interesting I've never had it before I've never had Bear Republic when I was out there I was just drinking some other kind of local um local brews so this will be interesting to uh to check out nice thank you Smells good. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. Cheers. Mmm. That's pretty good, actually. That's really good. It's not bad. 
You don't oh. really taste the twenty the twenty five I've used. Ooh. Mmm. There's a little bit of something. I like that a lot. That's pretty good. Surprisingly good. I didn't expect that. Wow. It's all that wine country uh, know-how out there. I love the beer master notes on the, the bottle. Keep cold. Respect life. Beer is perishable. Serve at 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that's good advice. It is. I'll, I'll take that. Exactly. Uh, hopefully wow. I've made him proud. Mm. Uh, okay, Glenn. So if you were going to put a rating on this uh, this beer that was just sort of your arbitrary take on what it, how good it would be... Um, Oh, I should say that it was nine ninety nine for the six pack. Okay, so a little expensive. A little expensive, but it's a California beer, and mm-hmm. you know, if it was, it's got to travel a ways to get here. Well, I was just gonna say all the other California beers are eleven, twelve. <laughs> That's true. Thirty dollars six packs. That's true. Um, you know, um, I'm looking at you, Ballast Point. Yeah, and your grapefruit sculpin. Yeah, exactly. Like watermelon <laughs> fish beer. Yeah. Ugh. No, thank you. All right. <laughs> Uh, hmm. I, I really like this. I think it's pretty good. I, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, yeah. I think, you know, total off the cuff here, I'm going to go 8.5. That's exactly what I was going to do. Seriously? 8.5, yeah. Wow. I think it, it quite, it, it, 9, 9.99 is a little high. This that, is a price. Yeah. But it is pretty good. It's pretty pretty solid. I like this one a lot. This is a good crisp uh, summer beer. Mm. I'll tell you what. It's really good. I could, I could go through four of these and not notice it. Yeah. Which, you know. Yeah. I might have to do. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, uh, that's that's all well mm. and fine. Right. We, we, just, we both said 8.5, but that doesn't really matter because we still have to go through our empirical, scientific, machine learning, algorithm, the mustache twist scale computer, which will... Patent pending. We will uh, we type some facts into it, and then it will crunch on some numbers and do the machine learning thing and spit back out us a legitimate empirical score for this beer so let's start out i said it was 9.99 it's a little bit on the high side there are 25 ibus so it's a little bit a little bit more normal um the alcohol by volume is straight up five okay and the color is straw it is straw colored it's straw colored yeah uh the general pairings are spicy foods and traditional german fare it looks like it's won some awards brian uh, yeah, it's won uh, the Great American Beer Festival bronze in 2014 and the Great American Beer Festival bronze in 2008. So consistent. Yeah, about every uh, every six years, it wins the bronze. They come back to the well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, let's. Uh, so I think the mustache twist scale computer should be finishing up just about now. So I will step over there and pick up the uh, the printout that we're gonna get and read off here. It's- this thing back here. Man, we've had two weeks of, or two two podcasts of really solid beers. Yeah, well, what did we do last time? We had the, the, the bourbon. Uh, oh yeah, from the yeah. chemical company, right? <laughs> from the computer company. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me flip through this in here real quick and see what the wine country oh. map of Northern California. Okay. Uh, well, Glenn, I, according to the MTS computer, um, actually, the MTS computer surprisingly agrees with us. Whoa! It's right on with us at 8.5. Wow. So we got the uh, hat trick, and um, oh. and it's looking. It's so so. We got a consistent score between. Not that not that our opinion matters. The empirical mustache twist scale computer is the only one that really matters, but, and it comes in at 8.5. It agrees with us. So our Smallier beer instincts. Ruth, uh, win the day once again. Pay off again. Uh, one more thing I wanted to say about this beer is that I went over to check out our friends over at beersnob.com to see what they had to say about it. And uh, the beer snobs say 84, the bros say 88. Hmm. So for once, maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're on track. You know, we can't really disagree with that because the MTS computer is spoken. We have to give props for props for due. I would say yeah. props. Well. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll acknowledge a, the fact that they're actually right for once. A, a slight nod yeah. of our heads in their direction. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But not too overt. That's right. Maybe maybe mm. maybe we nodded, maybe we didn't. I yeah. don't know. Uh, anyway, Glenn. Well, let's get on to some interesting posts from gentlemen.com in the last two weeks or so. All right. Straight from the top of the pile here, we have a tack by 
Our good friend Zombie Cat Bacon, who yep. posts amazing things all the time on the site. He always has the anecdotes. These always these little corner stories that are just really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and I find them. Yeah, they're they're very interesting. And, and so is this one. It's titled "The Pizza That Hates Itself," and it is an article linked to you by Munchies. It's called Munchies, which is a Vice oh, right. um, spinoff, I guess. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> this is about a pizza parlor in Argent Argentina. Right. Uh, it's a chain called Oogies. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And the interesting thing about Oogies is that it is a it has found success in um, basically making fun of itself and its patrons. And so Oogies was founded on the principle in the eighties by a guy named Hugo um, I'm not seeing his name right now. Hugo somebody. Because Oogie is like a, a, a nickname for, for uh, uh, Hugo Solis Sr. Okay. And he started in the 80s. And basically he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have this pizza. And we're only going to offer two kinds of pizza. We got a cheese and we have an onion pizza. And we're going to be so ridiculously cheap. And just our, our, our pizza parlor is going to be so no frills. It's like the Costco of pizza. And they, you know, it's pretty revolutionary at the time, cause right? And uh, they did really well, branch out in chains. Mm-hmm. But once social media came around, they decided to take a little, you know, these pizza chains or food, you know, outlets. They always uh, they try to put a positive spin on everything, and you know, you know, they never they never really dabble too gotta, far. They got to be they got to be careful about what they say, right? Not yeah. oogies. No, they no. in fact encourage trolls. Uh, they make fun of. <laughs> this is great. So they, their uh, stores are notorious for not being very clean, and they'll post pictures of pigeons eating food off their floor in their pizza parlors. Right. Uh, and they'll say that they're the mascots for the store and everything. And so it's a very self-deprecating, yeah. uh, dark outlook, and it's doing really, really well. It's kind of like if you know we were talking about not too long ago. Wendy's was. Just chiming in on all this Twitter stuff, yeah. like making fun of McDonald's, mm-hmm. and a lot of they just like hop in there and say some snarky thing. It would be like that, except if Wendy's was like cursing at their customers yeah. and uh, saying really inappropriate things about drugs right. and things like that. Yeah, um, I guess they, they were saying in the history of the company that at one point they were heavily involved with this movie that was all countercultury. And that's kind of when they got this reputation of being a little, oh. little bit, you know, on the fringes of society a little bit. Uh, so ever since then, they've been kind of playing up this persona of being a little bit counterculture and a little different. Um, but they're just kind of reflect, refreshingly honest. Somebody will say something bad about them, and they'll just be like, "F you, buddy." You know? <laughs> oh yeah, you're an a hole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody said something about how their cheese was terrible or something, and. They were like, if you don't like mozzarella, then, you know. <laughs> Man, I, I, so, go uh, take a hike. Go take a hike. <laughs> uh, so anyway, well, they didn't say that. They said something much worse. But um, Right, we're not going to repeat it. Yeah, but so anyway, the, I think this is really cool. It's kind of refreshing to see a restaurant. And, you know, I get the sense that people like people out there get it and they think it's funny. And they so they're kind of playing along. Well, yeah. they'll just really insult the heck out of the pizza chain yeah. on social media and then... Then they get it back. They'll get it back, you know. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, the pizza's super cheap. A large is like four dollars US. Yeah, and the quarter pizza, which would you know, be a couple pain. slice, is yeah. like a buck, a buck twenty-two. <laughs> but uh, apparently, he was he came to New York or something, or somewhere in the US, and he was inspired by the cheaper pizza chains and thought because I guess in Argentina they're known for their artisan, yeah, kind of expensive high end pizza, yeah. which I take issue with, and I agree with them that. Because um, I have a feeling about how if you go to apparently I haven't been there, but if you go to Italy and you talk to the guys that are really real pizziolos in Italy, they'll tell you that pizza shouldn't be high end. It's supposed to be like a common everyday man's food. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of it. So I, I agree with the oogies here. I think that they're on the right track. Nobody's claiming them of being high end. Uh-oh. Yeah, they say that. Uh, I mean, if you, well, first of all, if you look at a picture of the pizza, it looks terrible. It, it looks awful. It looks so bad. Like I would like a Tony's oven pizza. Yeah. Is, looks like <laughs> it looks way better than this. <laughs> looks like a three star meal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they say this has really struck a chord because uh, there's this all, this whole foodie culture that's going right. on right now, and right. and and basically there's another counterculture to it that says you know we don't want anything to do with that. We're right. 
you know. So anyway, yeah, it's it's a great example of a company that just kind of um, embraced a persona that was totally different than everybody else and kind of went out on a limb, and it really is paying off. So. What I loved about this article was they said at some point, like they they were quoting a, a interview, which is one of the only interviews of one of the owners of this establishment and it was from 2009 so he hasn't granted an, in- an interview in eight years <laughs> which is awesome the man um, behind the curtain yeah exactly um, so anyway Glenn alright well that's thank you for posting that zombie cat bacon um, great little story uh, that I would have never caught if I didn't go to gentleman.com uh, okay Glenn this is another great little story and this was posted again by Zombie Cat Bacon. I just realized that. Wow. Oh my gosh. Uh, we're getting overrun by Zombie Cat Bacon here. But um, th- that's a good thing. Because yep. this, is a, this is another good story. And it really shows you his range of posting. <laughs> uh, this, this is titled, Eric Clapton Just Caught the Year's Biggest Salmon in Iceland. And I read through this article and I didn't realize this. But apparently Eric Clapton is an extremely avid fly fisherman. Mm-hmm. And what happened was... Everybody kind of knows Eric Clapton has a history with self-medication. Yes. Drugs and alcohol. And um, apparently, for whatever reason, in the mid-80s, he decided to get sober. And so he was looking... For whatever reason. Well, I mean, if he had, you know, you know, yeah. whatever for whatever caused him to do this. Because right, right, right. after, after a de- decades of, you know... Uh, yeah, boozing his, you know... Yeah, body. lots of, you know, lots of stuff. Uh, he decided to, to to clean up, and one of the things he needed to do was find some hobbies to kind of, you know, take up his time. So one of his friends suggested, who was a, a fly fisherman, told him about fly fishing, took him out, and got him casting uh, and trying to learn how to do fly fishing. And uh, his buddy hooked him and made and and basically explained to him about how it's a very cerebral sporting kind of fishing where you're not just tossing a line out there. You have to have some skill and art about how you do it and it immediately struck a chord with him and so on the 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 tour in 1986 after he started to learn how to fly fish mm-hmm. he made the tour manager schedule the entire tour around being able to he got so into it that he made the tour manager schedule the entire tour based around going to different watering or water areas in the u.s mm-hmm. so he could be fishing the whole time and then like go and step on stage and play guitar and then go back out to the next town and then start fishing he was that into it uh, but anyway, point is, uh, about 2001, he went to Iceland for the first time, which apparently is a mecca for fly fishing to catch salmon. And so he's been going there every year ever since. He loves it, uh, brings his family up there, and it's it's a whole event for him. But apparently this year, he caught the biggest uh, salmon of the season. It was a, what, what, how big is it? The 42.5 inches, 28-pound salmon. 28-pound salmon. Um and so apparently up in Iceland they have a strict uh, toss back policy but he was able to snap a quick pick of it before he, he gave it back and it's a pretty solid sized salmon that, is, that does not look like a salmon no it looks like a that's, that's the Icelandic salmon yeah. the, um, the, you can tell by the, uh, the dorsal fin trying on to think, the, yeah, yeah I'm trying to think <clears> how many <throat> cans that makes right. uh, um, but anyway I thought this was kind of cool because he uh, I guess fishing was the first thing outside of music that he said he ever got good at, and so he really liked it because it was so, uh, so different, so calming, so kind of restful to go out there and think and just you know have a sport where you didn't have to really uh, be involved with his day to day work. I guess. Yeah, I, I've always known that fly fishing is. I, I, I've never done it before, but I know it's like it's way different than normal fishing because you have to. You know, it's a very precise, like, kind of mm-hmm. delicate thing that you're doing. Right. But he, Clapton was explaining that it's, a, it's like a psychological victory over the fish because you're baiting, you're actually physically baiting it right. to try to bite your lure without scaring it away, right. without being too aggressive. And, right. And you're like, it's like this weird dance. And mm-hmm. anyway, he, yeah. but this salmon, this particular salmon, he said he had to run half a mile downriver after hooking it and he spent two and a half hours reeling it in. That's dedication right there. It's <laughs> a long solo, Brian. I get about. Fifteen minutes in, I'd be like, "Yeah, you're good. I'm just, just gonna, yeah, just take it. Yeah, just, it's fine. You know, you yeah. won. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll just go get some fish and chips now. Uh... <laughs> anyway, wow. Well, so anyway, uh, Eric Clapton, incredibly versatile, apparently. Who knew? Um, yeah, didn't know, but uh, you learn something every day from Zombie Cat Bacon. So, well, Brian, this brings us to our last 
Tack, not posted by Zombie Cat Bacon. This brings us to the end. To the end. Uh, to the the butt end. Of the third end. The third end. <laughs> nice little book in here. Um, to Tack by some uh, jerk apple named Glenn. And uh, <clears throat> he, he posted a, uh, a link from boingboing.net, which is a great site. Linked to very often. Titled, Florida Town Plagued by Triple R Graffiti. And, okay, I posted this, but I couldn't help it because as soon as I saw one picture of the the graffiti, I, I busted very, out laughing. It's very unique, very specific. And apparently in St. Petersburg, Florida, Brian, uh, the authorities are battling an onslaught of this triple arsed graffiti. Mm-hmm. And they believe it is one suspect. They believe it's a, a one-man show. Mm. Probably Banksy. Probably. It looks, uh, it looks like a Banksy. <laughs> making a statement somehow. Yeah. Um but the problem with this, Brian, is that the St. Petersburg uh, demographic, I think, is maybe a little older, a little mm. bit more affluent. They don't really appreciate the art. They think they know art, Brian. Right. And when it shows up on their door... So basically, yeah, I should say, just to describe it a little bit, it's basically like what you'd envision uh, someone's posterior would be if there was an extra cheek available. It's, it's like... Um, it really makes you think. It's like an MC Escher kind of because right. you can't tell which cheek is yeah, belonging yeah, to the, which yeah. leg, and or maybe it's a combination of cheeks. I don't know. I would. Is it weird that I immediately was thinking about like, I wonder what that would be like to have? <laughs> maybe someday. You know, science is really moving in the crazy you know directions. If we can get self-driving cars, I think we can get three yeah, butt cheeks, Brian. Exactly. <clears throat> I'm sure there'll be an implant at some point. Or artificial cheek intelligence. <laughs> But anyway... I think Google's working on that. Yes. Anyway, they have... Uh, so, apparently, St. Petersburg is known for its murals and artwork around the city. And that's, like, what they oh, hang their hat on. Interesting. And so, obviously, this belongs uh, with with that. Um, I, I believe so. But, apparently, they have uh, locals who don't believe so. And, and uh, they've quoted a woman as saying, This is not art at all. It's vandalism. Mm-hmm. There should be consequences. You can't ju- you can't just take it upon yourself to do whatever you want to do. Another man said, hmm. and <clears throat> I think they're a little. Everybody's chapped. a critic. They're a little raw. Everybody's raw a critic here. Yeah, everybody's a critic. I mean, if this was a everybody's got said? a big butt. <laughs> That's you know, you but know it's the, not art. That's right. But it's graffiti. But it could be. But it could be art. Um, I mean, Van Gogh was criticized. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Someday, this door frame that I'm looking at right now... That might be in the Louvre, you know. Right. <laughs> the exhibit is just the door. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably going to be in a modern art exhibit first. I well, think eventually it will probably... Yeah. You're going to see this in the Met someday. Yeah, exactly. A, well, I look forward to that. Shia LaBeouf's going to yeah. do something with it. Anyway... Um, yeah. So anyway, well, hopefully they, uh, hopefully they, I, I for one support the triple, the triple crown. He's not the he's not the mural artist you want. He's the mural artist you need in Saint right. Petersburg. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Man. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully he or she continues on with that's his right. craft. That's right. Um, anyway, Glenn. Okay. Well, that's good. So if you're in Saint Petersburg, uh, send us some pics, <laughs> please. Uh, please. We'll enjoy them. Uh, okay, uh, so anyway, Glenn, that means uh, it's time for the toast this week. Okay. And I would like to toast, look, uh, it was just 4th of July recently, mm. and um, there's one thing that I like to do every 4th of July, and that is to sit down on my couch like a great American mm. and watch the movie Gettysburg. Oh, that's right. I forgot you have that. All four hours and 21 minutes of it. <laughs> my God. It's, uh, it's always surprising. Every year I forget how long it is. And then I sit down and I think, <laughs> I read the cover and it says 271 minutes. And I think, hmm, it, what is that like? Wait, three? No, wait, four. Oh, more than four hours. Sure the one. Right. Um, which is always surprising. And, uh, but, so I want to toast the good people over, Ted Turner and the good people at Turner Broadcasting. Mm. Because they were involved with making this thing happen. And it is, I have to say, I think maybe Jeff Daniels' greatest role outside of Dumb and Dumber, right? With the qualifier that obviously uh, 
Harry is is that is the performance of a lifetime. But uh, this is a very good performance by him. In fact, I believe Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert agreed that he should win an Academy Award for his uh, portrayal. Two thumbs um, way up in in this movie. Um, but it's very cheeseball. It's very overacted for a lot of parts. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of silly, but I love it. It's so it's awesome. Like the all the history and all the stuff. Yeah. It's it's actually really good. And me and Laura worked on a proprietary drinking game that goes along with watching the four hour <laughs> and twenty minute version of uh, of Gettysburg. Can you just give us a little? Yeah, I'll get. I'll just you brief. know, I, I'm we're, still we're among my, friends. My here. patents still not coming back on this okay. drinking game. But okay. okay, so Jeff Daniels' character hmm? in the movie, he has a younger brother, and he's supposed to refer to him as you know Captain whatever, but he keeps messing up and calling him Lawrence. So every time he comes up and says Lawrence, uh, you drink. Uh, anytime somebody salutes, oh, you drink. Oh, gosh. Because uh, that's a visual one. You can kind of see it. Yeah. Right. And then we're kind of alternating between Confederate and uh, Union and Rebel Yank kind of thing. Uh, oh, so those they things. say Rebel or Yank? Yeah, because that was coming up a lot. So we we're, were trying to refine it as we went on, but it was kind of hard. And, oh, and there's one character that always starts... Uh, Tom Berenger's character always sparks up a cigar. And so it was like every time he lights up a cigar, you know, so. So you had a hard time refining the game. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was because as the movie, as the four-hour ordeal went on? Let me tell you something. We started out, this is my bright idea. We we started out by, one of the words was general. When they said general. And then it was like (laughs) both sides, general this, general that. General, did you say general blah, 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 and general, general, general? And so we were just like, you know, and then I got about two beers in with in like 45 minutes or something. And I said, okay, we've we, we, we got we to stop because we have it's four like hours. Beers. Yeah, we have four hours to go here. Uh, so anyway, we had to dial that back. Uh, but we, we, we were fine a little bit. I feel like the Lawrence thing worked really well. The salute might have been a little bit much. It might, mm. it might be better to say anytime a Confederate soldier mm. salutes. Mm. Then you do that. So that would that would kind of mitigate it a little bit. But we're working on it. I wrote it down so next year for Fourth of July we will we will revise. I'm glad you went with beer. I yeah. was gonna say if it was anything yeah. harder than that, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Game over. Yeah, so the first forty five minutes was beer and then I moved to straight whiskey. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it was always beer because it was just too it was too intensive. We couldn't have we couldn't have done that. So uh, but it was fun, we had a good time. Wow. Uh, and then fireworks were great yeah. after that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sparklers, cooked some burgers, and they tasted delicious. And then we went to go, yeah, we went to see some fireworks. Everything worked out great. Nice. Yeah, the fireworks were in walking distance. We didn't, you know, the ones downtown. Uh, we walked to the the big hotel where we at at the oh, top of the. Yeah, I've heard that's fun. Yeah. So anyway, we didn't do that. But uh, anyway, so what, what did you do for Fourth of July? We went to a well. We bought some fireworks. Apparently, well, that's illegal in Lawrence Glen. Uh, well, we bought fireworks in the outside of the city limits to and, put out outside the city limits. I'm sure is where you set them off. And we saw a fireworks show outside of the city limits. Okay. Um, and you're allowed to shoot sparklers in that class of fireworks. So we okay. shot sparklers. Oh, okay. And that's all. Right. That's all we shot. Okay. But um, we had the so. Every year, my kids want to go to this one firework stand um, outside of town where they have a camel that you can ride. It's free, right? So that's how they get everybody there. They have a, they have two camels. and They, they get the kids there. They're going to want to oh buy some fireworks. Gosh. Yeah. And it had been raining. It was like muddy. And cars were getting stuck. And I, I using my noggin, parked on high ground. So I would have to... You know, my wife was like, oh, no, get closer. you got to go down here. I'm like, I'm not going down where there's right. mud. I'm going up high. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, you know... Right. <clears throat> anyway... I was right. I saw a bunch of people with four wheel, four wheel drive, just like spinning their wheels. Huh? Anyway, so that's when you deal. hop on the camel and get your head <laughs> out of there. <laughs> yeah, so we we rode the camels and uh, bought some fireworks, and then we went afterwards. There's uh, some a family that we know um, south of town that they um, are, the city of Lawrence. I love the city, Brian. Yeah, but the one thing fun. that they don't do very well is a fireworks show. Yeah, it's, it's really not, it's yeah. really pitiful. Yeah, uh, and. They've like tried to raise funds for you know save the clock tower kind of thing, right? And, yeah. and so we went to this show, and they the the sons have a license 
to shoot off like legit professional fireworks. Hmm. And it was unbelievable. The show was like four times better than Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. It was great. So That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It was that's a good neat. time. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. It was no Gettysburg though. Yeah. We did watch Independence Day, which is also a Right, that is a very yeah. That's every year we have to do that, so mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. Okay, Glenn. Well, that's good to know. Um Camel. That's interesting. Yeah, the camel and if you've ever been near a camel, there's nothing appealing about a camel. Like nothing. I don't even have to get near one of them. I, you I don't. Just know it. You really don't. Yeah. Just watch them chew something. Yeah. It's just amazing. And they're all like, they don't like people, I don't think, very much. No, they really don't. They kind of resent having people write on them. I was a little worried putting my daughters on there, but. Yeah. yeah you know, people right. owning them. The carnies seem to know what they were doing, so. <laughs> right. You, you should always trust the carnies. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Good people. Our over our Salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. Uh, okay, Glenn, well, that means it's time for the. Um, <coughs> Hot button. Topic. Topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, um, good news. Mm. Uh, Nintendo. Yes. Uh, the Nintendo company came out with some news this week, and they said, in fact, the rumors are true. We're going to start selling a Super Nintendo Classic Edition. So they're putting out a sequel to the Classic Edition, which, uh, to much fanfare and sold-out sales everywhere... Most people in the country couldn't get one. Uh, I was able to procure one myself. I remember that. Uh, relatively easily. And uh, so I was able to do that. But uh, no one else basically got one of these. I'm basically one of the only people in the country that has a Nintendo <laughs> Classic. Uh, and Ooh. that was, it was so... It was, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, my sister-in-law bought one off of eBay recently for almost $300. Okay. Well, I'm going to wait for the price to go up. Because it's, you know... I'm just saying, there's a market there, Brian. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's going to get even bigger and bigger as time Mm. goes on. Um, So, the thing is, it has been rumored that they were going to do a Super Nintendo Classic Edition. And I couldn't believe that that was going to happen. Because the Classic Edition, while it was a rousing success, was kind of a PR nightmare for Nintendo. Because they ran out of the console so early. And at first, they weren't even going to keep making them. And then they decided to reluctantly continue to make them and then they just stopped making them i remember that part yeah and um everybody kind of assumed that they were just going to keep making them until the demand went down but they just abruptly stopped and this is the kind of thing that nintendo does all the time and so now they're teasing that on september 29th 2017 they're going to release the super nintendo classic edition and uh this this classic edition looks very much like the nintendo classic that's sitting on my uh media table right now it comes with two controllers and games like the legend of zelda link to the past super mario kart uh f-zero super mario world super metroid uh super punch out castlevania 4 contra 3 final fantasy 3 uh yoshi's island star fox star fox 2 kirby star and uh street fighter 2 street fighter 2 yeah i don't know how many hours i spent playing that game yeah that's that could be my i guess my go-to's would be the street fighter 2 uh maybe super mario world and probably legend of zelda um but yeah i mean i i'm gonna have one of these it's gonna yeah. be on my it's gonna be on my media console before <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna find a way glenn i'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be finding a way to do this, uh, no matter what it takes. Can you get two? I will. I I will try. I will, I will try. <laughs> Please. Um, the, so uh, no. so the thing is, okay. So will I try to get this console? Yes, I will try to get this console. I I, I want to have a full collection, right? You know, um, I'm not excited as, as excited for this one as I am the original classic because the classic had the ones that I remember growing up. But see, this is gonna this is gonna hit a totally different generation that grew up with this console. Yeah, like Laura's a few years younger than me, and these are the games that she remembers, not not the original Nintendo because she was too young for the original Nintendo. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I will begrudgingly want to get one of these very badly, but mm-hmm. I'll still. So, I don't know what kind of relationship this I have with Nintendo, but it's not a good one. It's 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 a strange. It's a love yeah. hate because we're frenemies. Yeah, yeah. Because it seems like they always do this. The quite like everybody's thinking. Everybody sees this and they're like, "Are you going to make enough of these things, or are you just going to quit 
when everybody's trying to get all these things. And they set they set the stage because with their with their first NES, uh, so they people know. Oh, they my. said limited edition when they started, did and they, then did they say limited edition on the NES Super NES? I think they did. And oh, no, on the on the original NES Classic, I believe they yes. said it was limited edition. And then they were like, "Oh, the, the, we didn't realize it was going to sell this much, so we're gonna we're just going to keep making them." And then one day they're just like, "We're done making these," <laughs> and that was the end of it. So, I don't know. It looks like they have a never released game. They're gonna throw exactly. in Star yeah. Fox, Star 2. Fox Two. I don't know. Uh, so with this one, this would be a bunch of stuff that I've never played. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't have a Super Nintendo actually. Really? No, I didn't. Um, so I never got to play a lot of these. But I know they're classics. The one I was hoping they would have that they don't is Star Wars. Yeah, there was a Star Wars game. <laughs> I'm for sure Super the licensing probably. Yeah, I was just yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that is a sticking point. But I was I was kind of hoping for that one. But this is more kind of the uh, the traditional Nintendo Studio classics, basically. Man, Mario Kart. Oh. That's such a fun game. I I, and it comes with two controllers, so you can battle your buddies with uh, Mario Kart. There. Uh, yeah. I'm not happy about this, Brian. See, I wonder if they're abruptly stopping the NES Classic work had something to do with the fact that they wanted to like super ramp up demand for the the SNES. It could be like you know Disney movies where they. They come out for a while, right. and then they re- release them again for a limited time right. on, on, you know, whatever DVD. format. Right, whatever format because yeah. it's remastered and blah blah. Right. blah and yeah, they do it like every five years. The same movie. Yeah, could be limited yeah. release. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those evil geniuses. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this man. I'm just, I'm torn because I want to play all these games. Really I'm gonna badly. get one. I'm gonna get yeah. one. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna. I'll take off work for weeks at a time. <laughs> Camp out outside of Target. I'll put a tent out. <laughs> what are you here for, man? Yeah. Uh, no, I you know I won't go to great lengths, but I will go to some lengths to to do this. Donkey Kong Country is a classic one. That is that yeah that is a classic one. And Mega Man is one of my favorites. Ah, oh, I remember Donkey Kong Country because it had the greatest graphics. Back it in the did. Day. It was mind blowing. I know. It was so crazy how good the graphics looked. Because I, I had a Nintendo, and I remember going over to friends, and I had an yeah. Atari before that. And yeah. I went over to friends' house who had a Super Nintendo, and I was like, "This is the pinnacle. This is this, like I'm there. Yeah, this I'm, is like I'm, I'm in, in the, the jungle. jungle. Yeah, he's <laughs> a real banana. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Watch out for the barrel. Right <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was like VR, but yeah, in, you know, the early '90s. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember my mind. I, I remember going to Sam's Club because they had a display of it. And seeing it and being like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. The graphics look so amazing. <laughs> Little did I know oh. that, um, you know, they would get slightly better from then on. Slightly better. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get one of these. I'm going to get a hold of it. I'm going to get one of these. And uh, I'll be looking forward to increasing my collection. About this time last year, uh, people were going nutso over Nintendo's app. Um, I can't remember the name of now. Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. Yeah. I wonder how that's doing. They're coming out with a second version of it right now. Oh. And it's it leveled off, but it's doing great. <laughs> Those fast slappers. Yeah. I think it's funny because everybody talks so much smack on Nintendo for stuff like this, but they just go right back out and buy their stuff. I know. I'm yeah. the same way. I'm. Yeah. I hate them. I know. Yeah. Um, but they are. I mean, these games are. These, this is this is like. Uh, you know the the Led Zeppelin of video games, or something like that. It's going to be around forever, and right. you're always going to have nostalgia for uh, the original NES games. Atari was like too early. There's just it's not as compa- there wasn't as much story. Like the Legend of Zelda is like mind blowing as far as yep. the storyline and what you're doing and Even the like game Mario, play, you know, Mario. Like, yeah, you um, have a you're doing a story. Right. So that was like the first. It's like the it's like the Beatles or something like that of. <laughs> Of video right. games, uh, so they're—I mean, you know—they're going to go back to the well quite a bit. I have a feeling. Um, I feel like Atari is like Chuck Berry, you know, like yeah, classic. It yeah. paved the way. Everybody, but no one really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no one really got it. Really, yeah. Too too far ahead of their time, maybe a little yep. bit. So anyway, well, I hate Nintendo and I love Nintendo. I wish I could <laughs> quit you. I wish we could quit you, Nintendo. <laughs> uh, but we can't. But we can't. We can't. 
Um, I'm surprised there's not any other um, Mario games there because they, they only have one Mario they have Super Mario World. I thought they had other Mario games. Was there Super Mario World Two or something? I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting that confused with the the classic Super Mario. So the classic had Super Mario One, Two, and Three. Okay, and Super Mario World was the, the Super Nintendo one. Yeah, and then I actually still have my GameCube. Which was the oh, next one. Which is going to be the next one. Yeah, that will be the next one. That'll be released. I, There's going to hit all have, the hits again. I still have that GameCube, which was Super Mario... I don't know. I, I never played the GameCube. I don't... Let me tell you something. <laughs> no, Nintendo 64. Nintendo yes. 64. That, the GameCube was after that. <laughs> yeah. I, I still have my Nintendo 64. 64. 64. I still have that one. But I rented that. I rented the Nintendo 64 when I was in college... Uh, it was like my very first year of college or something like that. The Nintendo 64 came out. Or, I don't know, somewhere around there. Anyway, point is, me and my roommate, Brian Dannenberg, stayed up for three days straight, didn't go to class, <laughs> and played Super Mario on 64 because it was mind-blowing because it was 3D. Yes. It was it was like a real world, you know? like a, And uh, we, we stayed up all night. Taking turns trying to beat that game, and we did eat Nugget's pizza. We, that was all. I think that's all we did that semester. Was we beat Super Mario, whatever duration that was, and that was my proudest achievement of the entire semester. That a boy. That's how college goes when you're. Yeah, perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. I remember the first. Yeah, Super Mario World was awesome because I remember just. The fact that you could like run and jump on Yoshi and ride him. Oh right, you know, and yeah. he would eat things. And- there was some. There, it's always been a constant evolution with Super Mario. They really pushed the envelope with it. With sixty four, that was the big. Oh, that man. was the big thing. Um, and then I did have a GameCube, hmm. and then I do have a Wii. So uh, if I can get a hold of these two, and you know, yeah, oh, man, that'll complete my collection of Nintendo consoles. I'm not going to buy a Switch, I don't think, but maybe I will. I don't know. If there was like a just a fee, I just want Nintendo to take my money. I just want them to. Yeah. If I could guarantee that I would get something, if I could right. pre-order this, that'd be That's fantastic. what's so perplexing about this whole thing, is that people want to buy it. They right. want to pay for it. They want to give them money to get this thing. Right now. But they can't, they don't do it. They just say, yeah, we're going to stop. I don't understand why that, maybe it was a licensing thing. Maybe they only had licenses for so many consoles or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? It's very, very perplexing. Nintendo's a perplexing company. We don't know, and they're not going to tell us. No, exactly. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, we will. I'll report back when I get yeah. my Super Nintendo. We'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll play a couple rounds of uh, uh, Mario Kart. Uh, anyway, Glenn, uh, that means it's time for the final uh, part of the episode, which is the questions from the gentleman mailbag. And uh, this week, Glenn, on your keister on the gentleman parlor, uh, raised an interesting question. He said he had found a turntable in his house that he was going to fix up and kind of get some records and he only had a few records and mm-hmm. he was asking about uh you know doing vinyl stuff and uh chet manley chimed in and, and he's kind of like you know asking him like why are you interested in doing records anyway you know and, mm-hmm. and so i thought that was kind of interesting discussion because i know that there's kind of two sides to the story and i mm-hmm. and i think both sides are legitimate and mm-hmm. one of them is like records are kind of a pain mm-hmm. uh you have to get up and change them every 15 minutes mm-hmm. you know what i mean um it's, it's not as convenient as modern stuff is or whatever. Uh, and so we had a nice little discourse, and it has like a bunch of replies on it now of suggestions for records and things like that. I have an extensive record collection at my house. And because uh, I, I like it. There, I, I like, I, I kind of said to Chet Manley that I, uh, I like exploring and trying to find records, that it reminds me of being a kid and trying to find like that action figure that you were looking for. You can't yeah. go to Amazon and buy anything you want <laughs> right. back in the day. You had to hope you were lucky enough to find the thing that you were really hoping you'd get. And that's what records remind me of. Uh, and then yeah. uh, on top of that, I was telling them that just the the sound of them is it's very full fidelity. And what's crazy is that it's analog full fidelity. So it's like very full featured audio in a, in a very analog format, which is a very unique thing. And uh, it makes... They really mastered the heck out of records back in the day to sound great on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And so when you're using a CD or something like that, it's been remastered and it's not really the same kind of deal. So I, I think it's a little bit of a different experience, not too much of a different experience, but different enough that I think it's kind of fun to play with. I will say, though, I, I don't listen to records as much as I do streaming or anything like that because right. it's so inconvenient. I mean, you, right. 
It, you got to be like sitting around your house and particularly want to listen to records. You it's know? Saturday night, exactly. Let's put on the record. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, point is, Glenn, I was going to ask you what you thought your favorite uh, vinyl releases are. What you like to listen to on on record if you get a chance. So I never had a turntable of my own. My dad had one, and we seldom listened to it because of the inconvenience. Right. We usually just listen to cassettes or the radio. Right. Um, so I, I never really had a record collection or a turntable, but. Um, one of the things that was brought up in the uh, in that thread that you were talking about is that uh, the record back then was meant to be played from start to finish. Whereas yeah. when musicians release music now, they go one off at a time. Mm-hmm. Or it's all about the single. It's all about the single, right? Yeah. And I guess it's kind of true back then because you know you have the A sides and the B sides. Like, yeah. But the the you know you think of classic records. Um, I think for me, it's maybe it's not the. I mean, it's a great record. But um, it may not be at the top of people's list, but I just I just love it. Just personal taste. Would that be Boston's first album? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of, the, one of the greatest uh, albums I, of all time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's like one of the best selling albums of all time. Yeah, yeah. it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that would be yeah, if I every, had, if I could only pick one record, I think that'd be it. That's like Thriller, basically. There's two albums yeah. that are like Thriller. Yeah. And uh, Thriller's like Thriller. Thriller. Yeah. And the first Boston album is like Thriller because every single song it was a single i yes. think there's only like two songs on there that weren't singles yeah actually the cars candy o is like that as well is that the one with let's go and uh, yeah like six out of ten were hit singles oh, on yeah. that one or something yeah. like that which you know it's pretty amazing uh, i like the cars too um candy o is a really good album but mm-hmm. um anyway uh yeah I, that's a good point um i think that's a great choice actually um and that's a really good point about records too that i totally didn't think about when i when i was explaining this because um, if you if you have to think about the album as a whole and making the whole thing great as opposed to making a couple great singles and then the rest of it's toss away, um, it kind of that's kind of the experience. Is you sit down and you listen to the entire album. Yeah. You, you listen to an hour of music, not two songs or a yeah. mixtape of songs. There's no easy way to go between songs. No, so you, you're you're in. you're in for the ride. You know. <laughs> Uh, one of the ones I was thinking about this past week, which is really good, is um, Out of the Blue by ELO. It's a double album. Two two full records, but the whole thing is start to finish. It's not singles. It's like album rock. It's like you can listen to the whole thing and be into it. You know, Sweet Talking Woman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, this is a great Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah. There's, a, there, there's, there's enough hits sprinkled in there, and yeah. then the rest of it keeps your attention. It's really good. But here's, here's three that I am super into on vinyl. All right. Okay. Ooh, this is good, Brian. Um, so first of all, this is, and I mentioned this in this thread, was uh, Harvest by Neil Young. Oh, yeah. That was one of the first kind of records that I actually heard, start to finish, and it's so analog, acoustic sounding. I just don't think you can even like, try to recreate that sound today. It's so, it just sounds like the 70s to me when mm. I hear it. Um, and I let start to finish. I think it's a great record, and I so I think that's awesome. Um, the other one is Breakfast in America, Super Tramp, Super Tramp, yeah. Uh, early '80s, very goodbye stranger. Yeah, just goodbye. it's oh, it's kind of a weird album, but it's very cool. Yeah, uh, it's got the most iconic cover probably yep. of all time with the the uh, the waitress with uh, them flying into New York and all that stuff. It, yeah. So it's, it's one of the best like cover art albums ever. Um, and then the, 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 I think the songs are pretty awesome and they're very early eighties sounding just, you know, reminds me of the very early eighties and the final one, which is kind of a concept album. These are all albums you can listen to start to finish, uh, which is the 12 dreams of Dr. Sardonicus by spirit <laughs> spirit was a weird band. Still are. They still are. But uh, The Twelve Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus is one of the best rock albums ever. It's like an early concept album from the late 60s. Um, I think this is a great album that a lot of people probably have never heard of. It's pretty out there. It's pretty weird. But it is really cool. It's really cool music. Um, so anyway... And yeah, there's some singles on there, but it's very Mr. Skin. Mis- yeah, that actually, actually is yeah, kind of a single. But um, yeah, uh, interestingly enough, the heirs of the guitar player Spirit are the ones that sued Led Zeppelin for ripping off Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, recently, um, which they failed at. But uh, this album is actually really good, and uh, 
I think that's totally worth having a record player for uh, albums like this. Because I could just, I could, like you said, I could have a Saturday night where I took those four albums. Yep. And I listened to them start to finish. Mm-hmm. And that was my Saturday evening. Yeah. I, I would go to bed happy that night. Yep. Those, that's a good choice. I I don't know if I've ever listened to that album all the way through. I've listened Which to one? Spirit. The oh, the Spirit one? Dr. Sardonic. Yeah. It's pretty weird. It, it reminds me a lot of like a Pink Floyd kind of thing. Where there's just a lot of weird stuff going on there, and it's kind of a concept album, but it's I, pretty cool. I was going to... I was gonna. One of, one of the other ones I think of was Pink Floyd, The Wall. Yeah. Um, but Again, I, one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Right. But I also... I appreciate it for what it is, but it's not my favorite type of music. I don't. I don't like to listen to that one from start to finish. Yeah. I listen to Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, I listen to the Wish You Were Here, which is another one. Oh, that's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. That that album is really good. Yeah. Um, but the Wall really isn't that. It's very concepty and kind of weird. I don't yeah. know. I it's weird because that was probably the one of the better. I, that might be better selling than some of the other ones. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's not really my style. I like. just I've I've I remember hearing that one. Isn't that the one with the um, Comfortably Numbs on it. Comfortably Numbs is great. I love that song. And then, uh, yeah. What's the one with the, the bells? Uh, oh. Are you talking about Time? Because that's on Dark Side of the Moon. Um, or are you talking about the uh, the uh, We Don't Need to Education song? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I now, I'm, now it's all blurry now. Hmm. We were at my, my dad's friend's house. I was really young. And he put on this record and like cranked it all the way up. And at the beginning, it was just. It was what am I thinking of? It's like, um, so time. Maybe I'm thinking of. Yeah, maybe it was time. Time's on Dark Side yeah. of the Moon, and that has like all the yeah, the maybe stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I was young. Yeah, and dumb. Well, yeah. I'm still dumb, but not as young. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, uh, yeah, the wall is kind of weird. I, it's not a very listenable album. It's very kind of, yeah, got a little too high concept there for, I think a lot of people. But yeah. people still bought a lot of it though. They, they, they yeah. did I say the wall or did I say dark side of the moon? You said the wall. Okay, yeah, because yeah. that's the one with comfortably numb. Comfortably numb is on the wall, and we don't need no education. I don't know what the name of that. It's it's called it's something. I can't remember what the name of the song. Is. Uh, it's not that. It's but it's like, you know, yeah. It's well, I, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I really don't care for that album that much. I like yeah. a couple songs from it. Exactly. Money. Yeah. Oh, money. Money, yeah. money is... That's from Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm a pretty big fan of Dark Side of the Moon. And yeah. Razorback actually in that thread was saying how it was on Billboard's top 100 for like a million years, basically. Yeah. Uh, basically since JC was around. It's been on the Billboard charts. <laughs> so... Um, Razorback also had a list of jazz albums that were really good too. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. go to the parlor, check out that thread. Yeah. There's about good, vinyl. Good, good recommendations in there. I think everybody has a little bit of different perspective on stuff. So. I've toyed with the idea of getting a, a turntable just because, just because my brother. Um, He's there's pretty a, into it. Yeah. Yeah, my brother is really into records, um, and he work, We actually have a record store in Lawrence. It's mm-hmm. like a pretty pretty well known nationally. I think. Yeah, I think so. It's kind of a weird thing but it's huge yeah. and um my brother used to work there and actually help remodel the store and so yeah um anyway i've thought about getting into it it's, you know, it's just not another thing you know it is kind of another and it's you know i have too many records because i just like i'll go and see something that i really want to get and just you know buy it i don't need it and yeah. i probably listen to it three times but you know i love so, janice joplin yeah i really don't actually <laughs> well, maybe i don't um so anyway i probably need to go through and, and Trim down our collection a little bit, but hmm. I don't know. Someday, someday we'll do that. Uh, but anyway, I was trying to think. You know, you, 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 we were talking about this topic, and I was trying to think of like nine, like somewhat current, like within the last 20, 30 years, that there's albums that were that good. And I was thinking, like, what was really nostalgic for me, but probably isn't that good on vinyl. But all the way through, is really good album is Weezer's Blue album. Oh yeah, but yeah. I don't know. You know, I still think that was still produced in a time where. Vinyl wasn't the main yeah. consumption. It would have been the, the early '90s, kind of the mid '90s is where I yeah. think there was kind of a resurgence of vinyl a little bit. Yeah, um, so maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Stuff to say, but anyway, okay. Well, it's good that we got that figured out. Yeah, I'm glad. 
Man, but the hard-hitting subject matter that we go with in these podcasts—it's—it's it's difficult to navigate sometimes because you know, um, just a lot of opinions out there. You don't want to come down on the wrong side of an issue, you know. Opinions are like three bucks, triple, Brian. <laughs> triple arses. <laughs> Everybody's got them. No one has them. And no, no one has them, and they're weird. They're kind of weird. Um, <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, well, that was episode 117, Glenn. I'm um, looking forward to episode 118, which will take place in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, thanks, for everybody, for listening out there. Everybody have a good night, and we will talk to you in two weeks for episode 118. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Stansbury. See you guys in two weeks. Sayonara.